You're listening to the Salty Sex Cast with Pamela and Mariah. Yeah, and what's puberty? The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help. Hello. Well, today we have a very special host with us. Say hello, Amanda. Hello, Amanda. <laughs> so Mariah had a migraine today, and Amanda was kind enough to step in for her. Um, Amanda, as some of you might know, is my partner, and um, we actually just recorded our After Dark episode together a couple days ago. So we're going to have that up on Patreon soon, so if you're not a patron... Go check out Patreon. Check out our Patreon page and um, and join our, our nice little community. Couldn't think of the word community. <laughs> it's been a long day. You can hear all about our thruple. And you can hear all about our thruple. Henry's on there too. It was really fun. And Brady, of course. Drunk Brady, which is the funnest Brady there is. <laughs> Not by the look on your face. <laughs> Not according to the look on your face. We have about half an hour of, of like thruple content on that episode and about an hour of Brady's. Why won't someone else empty the garbage? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fun episode. It's a fun episode. You'll like it. Um, and we also have a really great guest on today. Um, this is Holly. Say hi, Holly. Hi. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Holly, can you kind of give us a background on your credentials? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm a licensed clinical social worker, and I am a therapist. Currently, I'm working in substance abuse, and I've been doing that for a while. Uh, I also received specialized training at the University of Michigan Sexual Health Certificate Program, and that was a year-long program um, that I finished back in, I think, 2000. 19. Wonderful. And so I'm a sex therapist working towards certification through the American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Okay. And then I, I practice privately as well in sex therapy in near Layton, Utah. All right. Awesome. So, so yeah, we have, um, we have a lot of listeners who are familiar with the Mormon church and I don't want to just call out the Mormon church specifically Mm, because I would say that most really conservative churches um, have, you know, maybe a traumatic um, effect on Mm -hmm. sexual health. Um, But can, can you talk to us a little bit about your experience with your clients um, who've come from a religious background Mm -hmm. and um, what kind of effect they're, their background has had on their attitude towards sex. Absolutely. Um, and actually, I can give you mine as well if you'd like. Oh, yeah, I, let's start with I, yours. I, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, uh, sorry, let me pull that mic closer. There you go. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Um, I didn't want to make it about me, but I think my story is important. Okay. And it was um, detrimental to me, and I think I'm not the only one who's experienced this. So, Um, I became Mormon when I was 18 years old, and I was hoping it would give me more of an anchor of a healthy life, because my childhood was not the healthiest, but, and and there were some good things that I liked and that it helped me with, but (laughs) um, I was 
sitting in Sunday school in a singles ward and somebody asked uh, a ward member in there to read, I think it was actually Relief Society, my apologies, and they were reading a quote and it said, uh, I still remember it and I've read it since so I remember it a little better but the impact that it had on me. It was a quote from David O. McKay that went like this, um, the, the flower by the roadside that catches the dust of every traveler is seldom if ever plucked, but the one way up on the hillside, per, let's see, <laughs> protected by a perpendicular cliff, the one with the virgin perfume is the one the boy would risk his life to possess. And mm. I oh, had fuck. some, yeah. Let's let's unpack that. <laughs> <laughs> and Jesus, had, that's deep. I know, right? <laughs> And having had sex when I was 17 with mm. a Mormon boy, mm. uh, it what? was... Mormon boys <laughs> don't, real. They don't do that. I know. That one did. What? <laughs> he didn't before me, though. Oh, okay. I, I, I I'm hearing him. a theme. I ruined him, yeah. <laughs> but hearing that, because I was such a believer, I really wanted this to be true. And when I heard that, I... It, it just... The, the cognitive dissonance yeah. and the pain... And I stuffed it emotionally. I just stuffed it. But um, as I got older and I went to sex therapy myself with my ex-husband, um, I realized how much damage that did to me. And I, I, from that point on, I was like, oh, I'm done. This, is not, this should not happen to anybody because I am not a dirty flower by the roadside. And by the way, when I do pick flowers on a trip, I don't go up on a cliff. And no one I know goes up on a cliff. <laughs> you just pick the ones by the roadside. They're perfectly fine. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I had to realize that. I'm a, I'm a good person. And, yeah. and that message was, it, it was so damaging to me yeah. that mm -hmm. I couldn't tell anyone I dated about my past because I thought they won't love me. They will think I'm a bad person. And um, so I had to hide my true self because it was so shameful. And that was years and years of damage. It ruined a, a really good relationship that I had because I was so ashamed to be who I was. Hmm. So, um, but I'm okay now. In fact, I can I can empathize with others more now. Yeah, because, because of you've that had experience. that experience. Mm -hmm. So that was my own story. But there's so many more like it. So many stories of people who have experienced emotional pain and, and they become self-destructive and... I could go on for hours. Oh, sure. Just stories just like that. Right. Gosh, well, I mean, it bothers me so much, too, the idea of, like, the the boy possessing the flower. Yes, yes. That like, one. there's so much about that quote mm -hmm. that is absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. We could spend and, the and the flower <laughs> was just waiting for the boy. The flower yes. was oh, yeah, waiting yeah. for just the boy. It couldn't for move the until the, the boy came and, and plucked it and rescued it from its Its sole fate. purpose for producing that beautiful perfume was to get the boy to climb the cliff. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and get the boy like attention. a good flower. <laughs> like a mm. good flower would do. <laughs> yeah. Oh, absolutely. Wow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just think it's funny because like, you hear that stuff. And like I crack jokes, like I did on mm. our on our podcast when we were talking about how the proposal went. Yeah. And I crack jokes about the patriarch, and mm. you know, and uh, but when you hear stuff like that, you're like, God, there's people out there that aren't joking. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they mean it. Mm. So. Um, yeah. No, it's it's absolutely disturbing. 
Yeah. So I'm curious, like, what has your experience been like with clients? Um, I think I'm particularly curious about maybe people who come from LDS background and are still LDS. Do you mm-hmm. work much with that? Do you have people come to you with, like, intimacy issues within that? So, so my private practice is new. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm seeing a lot of is, is women having issues with men having issues with pornography. Mm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in other words they don't like their partner looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having come from that background, I can understand that point of view. I, d- I no longer look at it that way or view it that way, but I can, that's, that's the benefit of having my background is I know where they're coming from. So, yeah, that, that's what I see the most. And a lot of sexual intimacy issues with women, definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, not all of them. I have a client from California who doesn't seem to have those issues. Um, but my Utah clients definitely. Mm. The, is the client from California also Mormon? Mm-hmm. Is that you're Sorry, about? Yes, okay. yes, I should have mentioned that. But okay, yeah. interesting. So you think it might be like specific to Utah culture? I think it's more so here. Yeah, mm. yeah. They get um, they get the education at school, and they mm. get it at church, and they get it at home, and they get it in the culture. culture. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have notice you know as a transplant here so i was i was lds back in memphis tennessee right and then um moved here right after i became atheist and so it was yeah it was a really kind of backward right exactly (laughs) she just likes to be different i do i I like to be the odd man out um but i i certainly noticed that um even the people that weren't raised in the church here the lds church but were raised in Utah and the culture had a lot of those same hangups about sex and many other mm-hmm. things. But, but I noticed particularly about sex, mm-hmm. um, that, that the Mormons do, yeah. um, it's really hard. It's just so pervasive here. It's hard to get away from it and, yeah. you know, develop your own ideas about what healthy sex is mm-hmm. or even get the education that you need to develop those ideas, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's it's just such a taboo topic. It's taboo and it's sacred. Oh yeah, it's sacred. <laughs> so code for <laughs> we can't talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, those clients who have left the church are they coming to you to help heal? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. From, can you share some of those stories or yeah, experiences? Yeah, a little bit. Um, and I'm sorry, did you say clients who have left the church? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, I have a new one in particular who's actually she she does okay with intimacy to an extent. She's she's not um, against it or ooh yucky that's gross. She's not like that at all. Yeah. But she struggles with certain types of intimacy and mm. you know. It, it's it's kind of in a box, and she's trying to open that box and expand it. She wants to, which is good. Yeah. Um, but she's also the one who struggles with her husband having viewed pornography. Well, actually, he still sometimes does, so she has a hard time with that. So what, what kind of advice do you give to the women who come to you <laughs> complaining about that? Because, like, from my perspective – Pornography is just another, or can be another healthy approach mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. sexuality, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it, I do want to acknowledge that it can be taken to an unhealthy point. Like, sure. Right, when, like anything can. Like anything, like yeah. me sitting on Facebook and eating a huge bag of chips. Yeah. Maladaptive. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't solve anything. So, yeah, but 
but it's not the problem. Right. It's more of the symptoms. So um, in that in that situation, so as therapists, generally we don't give advice. We ask good questions, and we help the client figure. The client has the answers in them. They just don't necessarily realize it. So we help them discover that because I don't know. Yeah. They're the expert of their own lives. And mm-hmm. so we help them kind of figure that out. And we might ask them, of course, we do an assessment and get their background and everything. Yeah. And we might realize, okay, this this religion thing is kind of holding her back. And this is kind of holding her back. And then we ask really good questions. And those questions might include, you know, um, where did you first learn about sex? And what were your feelings about it? And, and they start to realize, oh, I got these messages back when I was seven and it's impacting me now and mm. this light bulb goes on I'm kind of simplifying it yeah sure of course <laughs> <laughs> so they they kind of teach themselves or help themselves as as we ask them questions it expands their view because they're not thinking about these things they're they're just going pornography it's scary and I don't know it this is I don't want him looking at it because of whatever reason mm-hmm. so um, by asking them questions, it helps them to think about where those views developed and why. And then sometimes it includes psychoeducation. So pornography is full of trafficked women. Really? Where did you get that information? <laughs> and kind of uh, helping them understand that, yeah, that, that does happen. It really does. Yeah. But most of the time it doesn't. Yeah. And that women actually do choose to be in pornography. And women do like being objectified sometimes. Some women. I shouldn't yeah. say all women. Yeah, but sure. um, that they might enjoy that. And then that expands their view. And they're kind of surprised to think that women might actually like being objectified. <laughs> right. So, yeah. well, so what kind of outcomes have you gotten from, from those women that um, have had that, that experience? And, you know. Okay. So again, it's a new practice. So okay. I, and I've been in substance abuse for the most part, Oh, gotcha. but I still see some positive outcomes even in the beginning because they're these, the ones I'm currently working with want to make changes. They, they don't want to be the way they are, but they don't know how to get out of that box. And so I'm just kind of helping them open them flap by flap, open the box flap by flap, and then they'll kind of expand from there. So what I've seen is, um, basically a a more positive attitude toward I don't want to say maybe positive attitude isn't quite what I'm looking for as far as pornography goes but less fear around it Mm. because that's what in fact that's what the particular client said when she was looking me up on Google I was actually talking to him I'm sorry what's your name again Brady Brady sorry (laughs) I was talking to Brady about it earlier um that she googled me and I was like, oh, crap, my clients are going to be Googling me. I better be careful with what I say. <laughs> so anyway, she she did see that I had done a presentation on pornography that was a neutral stance. And that's really, a, as a therapist, where I want to be. Yeah. I don't I don't want to tell right. people what they should do with it. And, and it's perfectly fine. I also want to make it clear to my clients that it's perfectly fine to say it's against my value system. Perfect answer. That's great. Yeah. Because they're not shaming anyone else. And they're not basing that belief on fear and if as long as it's not on fear if it's on fear I want to help them because I don't think anyone should live in fear around nudity (laughs) and sex right and that's what Mm -hmm. that's what uh, pornography is fantasy Mm -hmm. and sex yeah yeah absolutely I just want to give you a chance (laughs) 
to ask a question. I don't. <laughs> well, now I'm on the spot. You, yeah. <laughs> but if you don't have anything, You're that's on okay. The spot. <laughs> How common is it to have someone come in or have a woman come in who's upset about her male partner viewing pornography? <laughs> that's like the most common thing I get. Huh. Mm. That's yeah. interesting. My uh, uh, ex-wife recently got drunk and was yelling at me over text messages and then called and apologized and admitted to me that her new husband has not been having sex with her, but she's caught him multiple times looking at porn. Mm. And she actually apologized for me for our relationship because she was like, now I know what it's like to not ever get sex. And I was like, oh, yeah, shocker. (laughs) (laughs) It's It's a struggle. Yeah. Yep. But so I was just kind of curious because he's he's a returned missionary. Oh wow! So. Is he? Are they both in the church still? I don't think so, okay. and I hope not because I've been raising a little atheist with them. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay. At least yeah. that's my goal. <laughs> that is that is so he's looking at pornography and not having sex with her. Yeah, I think his his use of pornography is interfering with his ability to have sex with her. So it, okay. it it's not an occasional, you know, every now and again, and I got the timing wrong thing. I think mm-hmm. it's just like consistently interfering mm-hmm. with their sex life. Because mm-hmm. I do view pornography mm-hmm. from time to time, but I always check the clock. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I give yeah, myself plenty of time to recover. <laughs> yeah. okay. Sure. So if I'm being honest. <laughs> no, that so. makes sense, actually. Yeah. But, you know, like when you get home a little bit earlier than you expected to. <laughs> and you, you know, have extra yeah. time. You got some time. Extra and time. it's like, do the, do the dishes or. Watch porn. Yeah. So from I'd, time to I'd time. I'd probably watch porn, too. Yeah. <laughs> 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 those choices. Yeah. <laughs> that does sound better. Seems like the better option. Yeah. I could definitely track down other options. I'm sure I could do more productive things. But sometimes the mood strikes and you're like, oh, you know, I got a couple minutes. You know, just throw my feet up, ch- check some stuff out or whatever. But. So, yeah, I just I just kind of so is that like the common complaint that the porn is interfering with their ability to connect as a couple? It's a very common one. I think your reasons that you're mentioning might be a little different from what I've heard, although that's just another of the million that I hear about pornography. But usually it's he's not interested in me. He only looks at pornography. And then the woman usually feels um some kind of body shame and oh yeah no that makes sense and shame about um their sexuality or something related to that certainly um so in in that case when you were talking about your ex-wife and her husband my first thought was something's going on in the marriage i could be wrong or he has anxiety there you know there's a million different reasons but and i don't know their whole story so pornography does not reject yeah it doesn't it's easy, fast. You don't have to have any social skills. You can pause it if you need you can a minute. Pause it if you need a minute. <laughs> yes, all of the above. No one's gonna know if you're having a hard time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just find another video, right? So I'm curious because you were talking about like um, having a fear of it. Can you speak more to like what those fears would be? That I was having a fear. Of no, it um, like clients having a fear of pornography or their oh. partner looking at pornography. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I did have that fear at one time before I left the church. Mm. It was a very real fear that was instilled in me. Mm-hmm. Um, that fear is there's some of it based in reality. You know how there's a little bit of truth to that. Mm-hmm. So they might have seen. So for example, my own story was my dad looked at pornography and 
And then, of course, with all the other messages I was getting, my dad's bad. He's looking at pornography. Mm-hmm. And my parents got divorced. So, mm. see, that's, that's why. Because he was looking at pornography. <laughs> so there's associations all over the place that people can make. Um, there's so many different reasons that it could be a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody had an ex-husband who was looking at pornography and they were looking at it all the time, yeah, I mean, I would have a problem with that too. But I would still try to find out what's wrong. I wouldn't, fi- I wouldn't ask, you know, why are you just looking at pornography? Because it's, you can blame the pornography all you want. But pornography is just ultimately is just pictures and images and videos and things like that. It, there's no meaning to it unless you give it meaning. On, just to be on the record, m- m- she's not my ex-wife because of a porn habit. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay. Good, no. yeah good, to mention. good to mention. But, I mean, yeah. that's, that is one of many reasons that I hear is, yeah, he was looking at porn and wasn't interested in me, so we're divorced. And it tells me that that was not resolved. And I think mm. I forgot your question. <laughs> Sorry. My question was um, th- what the fear is oh, about thank you. pornography. I was like, I'm going all, I'm doing like the debate the other night, not answering the question. Um, the fear around pornography is there are so many fears that people have mm-hmm. um, that their husband is going to become, it's usually the husbands, but it's, it's women sometimes too, but I'm going to generalize here and say the men, that he's going to become addicted. And I notice, especially in Utah, there's this idea of um, addiction related. It, it's everywhere now. It's spreading mm-hmm. the gospel of addiction and pornography. I work with substance users, high-risk substance users every day, heroin mm-hmm. users, methamphetamine users. There is no way any of that, any kind of pornography is going to feel like a shot of heroin. Nothing right. will make you feel like that. Mm-hmm. And I don't even have personal experience, but I know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, there's that fear of addiction, the fear that he will be more interested in the pornography than me, mm-hmm. the fear of those women in the pornography are, are thin and beautiful and and have bigger boobs than me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And um, those are legitimate fears that women have, but they're not necessarily based on a healthy way of thinking about oneself. Are the women blaming themselves and their lack of desirability for their husband's porn use? Sometimes, yeah. Yep. If they're not skinny like the pretty ladies in the pornography and sometimes I have to tell them you know have you watched the pornography oh no no never how do you know they're skinny women well why would they have not skinny women in porn? oh there's a whole category oh, for that a, there's a whole category yeah it's there's a, category a whole topic. for everything Let's do some yeah. psychoeducation right here yeah. yep so and and for especially um amateur porn all kinds of bodies oh mm-hmm. yeah so the and, best kind of porn <laughs> in some ways, there are some risks. There are some risks with that because they don't. Um, there, there are more risks with trafficking with that. But that doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to scare everyone to say. Sure. You know. Yep. There's all pedophiles on there. So no, it's you know. But you do have to be careful as far as your own risk that you're taking when you watch that kind of pornography. Mm. So, of getting in trouble basically is what I'm saying. Gotcha. <laughs> yep. Okay. Um. So what other kind of issues besides pornography are you seeing come up? Um, men and erectile dysfunction, or as I call it, erectile disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you call it disappointment <laughs> instead of dysfunction? Um, we live in a Viagra world. Ever since Viagra's come out, uh, I think men expect to, not all men, I, I keep generalizing, I'm sorry, 
many men expect to be able to be hard on the spot all the time and last for an hour. And most women are like, please, for the love of God, stop. You know, and it's, they, we're not looking for that necessarily. So uh, there's just unrealistic expectations. Okay. And they think their, their penis is a dildo. Like, your penis is not a dildo. <laughs> it's a real-life penis, and it has feelings. <laughs> I'm sensitive about it. So I, I have a client like that right now that is working on that. And I think he has anxiety, and that contributes. You cannot – libido and sexual response and anxiety do not dwell together mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Yeah. They just can't. Yeah. So we'll work on that. And um, there's also partner issues. The partner's like, oh, you're not – hard that must mean not, you're not attracted to me mm-hmm. uh, what's what's up with that you know they there's a lot of psychoeducation goes into yeah. that too mm-hmm. so even though I'm a therapist I'm doing a lot of psychoeducation to help people understand though that's that's a penis it's not a dildo and it doesn't work that way right. and sometimes they do what you want and sometimes they don't <laughs> <laughs> we've had our vagina episode we haven't had our penis episode <laughs> yet but um Let's talk about all of the other things that men can do sexually without an erection. And we can all jump in here. Oral sex is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, giving it, I should say, because obviously it's great to receive it. But huh? yeah, I love going down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What a trip. Fingers are great. Fingers work so well. Mouths, fingers all over the body. Actual dildos, actual Actual vibrators, vibrators. Mm -hmm. the womanizer, remote controlled items, Mm -hmm. all kinds of toys. (laughs) Yeah, Dr. Ruth, y'all are familiar with Dr. Ruth. Yeah, Dr. Ruth is amazing. She Mm -hmm. is amazing. She, I remember years ago, I think I was probably in high school and she was on TV, and and I still remember it because I was like, What? (laughs) A cucumber. Said every woman should have a cucumber, and I'm like, a cucumber. That sounds like something Dr. Probably. Ruth would say. Well, if you think about women, they tell you to put it on your skin and, you know, around your eyes. I guess, oh, I'm probably really good for your vagina to use a cucumber. <laughs> Just peel it, peel it first, because you never know what kind of chemicals they use to right. grow them. I was going to say, I think I'll stick with my dildo. Like, that's just <laughs> trying to find just the right size and shape cucumber at the store every week. I don't know. Because they go bad. <laughs> Or I'm going to eat it because I love cucumbers. So. Anybody want salad tonight? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's funny. Yeah. I actually have used a cucumber like that before, and it just didn't do it for me. So. Did you peel it? There's your problem. I put a condom on it. Oh, fair enough. Probably a good idea. Yeah. And I'm kind of serious about that. I don't, I don't know what's on those peels if they spray no, them. No, it's or, true. Get yeah. organic. Yeah. Get Cucum- organic. Get cucumber. <laughs> But but it won't harm you. It it won't. And it you know if you're somewhere where you don't have access to a dildo, there's usually cucumbers all mm. over the place. Absolutely. <laughs> um, you know you can also tie someone to the bed and tease them. You can do all sorts of role play that so doesn't. Much. Yeah. You could help them find their favorite porn. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's that's another topic too. Is the value of porn. Ooh. Yeah. Let's well, talk there's about that. Tell me about it. Mutual masturbation. And then what is, uh, what does Mariah call it when they lazy watch porn? Fucking. Lazy fuck. <laughs> the lazy fuck. When they watch porn together. Mm. Yeah. That's hilarious. I'm opening my phone because um, oh, that's fine. I had a presentation that I did once, and I, I can't remember all the things that I had on my list. But anyway, that could be a topic if you guys are interested. Yeah. So the ways 
porn can be used to um, create Enhance. conversation. Yeah. Right, and create intimacy. Yep. Oh. Okay. So speaking of education, oh, mm-hmm. educate us more on the benefits of pornography. Okay. Yes. So pornography can have, it can, I mean, it, it, I don't even want to portray that it's detrimental. Um, I think there is, there are types of porn that I personally, like snuff porn, I've only heard of it. I've never heard of actually, of anyone actually watching it. Are you guys familiar? No. It's where the woman is actually killed in the end. It's so violent. And I'm like, yeah, I have a problem with that. Um, I've heard, like I've seen it on, uh, there was like that American Horror Story episode in the uh, circus. Mm. And they chopped up the lady's legs as like part of a snuff form. Snuff. Yeah. yeah. So I that, feel like I read a book that talked about it once. I, for sure, it's it must be out there because people are talking about it. I have I have issues with that, but you know I I don't know enough about it because I don't think it's quite as common. But I do want to say this really quickly, and if nobody believes me, they can look it up. Just look up Justin Le Miller, L E H M I L L E R. He did some research on violent porn, and mm-hmm. guess who likes to look at violent porn? And I, when I say violent, I don't mean like people getting killed. Do you mean just, just BDSM um, type, or no, more like being held? Well, I guess you it could be. Okay. Um, women, women like looking at, mm-hmm. they like viewing violent porn or porn that's kind of um, the women are being forced. Yeah. I'm putting air quotes here for because you can't see me. Um, <laughs> They they like that right. because if I well there's probably several reasons but one of them is you know women when we're sexual we're we can be shamed sometimes people shame us you know she's a slut she's a whore look at you over there you thruple know. you know the shame can you can you be out everywhere do you tell everybody yeah you do tell Pretty so that's much. good yeah because you can now but in the past I bet that would have been very difficult um, if I were living that kind of lifestyle I could never. I, I couldn't. My family would disown me, literally. Mm, so, right, right. Well, so, and my family has disowned me. But, but uh, you know, the other the other piece of that is that we don't necessarily, like, announce it right, at our right. work, pl- like, right, places right. of work, right? It's but, just your normal But if life. they find out, we don't try to hide it right. either. So. Okay. So, um, anyway, back to back to violent pornography or pornography that has what – what's the word I'm looking for? I keep saying violent porn, but it's it's not necessarily overly violent. It's women. Are you, are you talking about like BDSM? No, no, just you know, women. Oh, help! There's five men attacking me and holding me down and making me have sex. Oh no, you know, and that kind of sort of like rape, so like, ra- like rape, rape fantasy porn, fantasy gang rape porn, fantasy porn, yes, a gang, like a violent, yeah, more violent I'm gang a hard bang. Time, yeah, there's so many types. So okay, yeah. yes, that's kind of the kind of thing I'm talking about, and okay. and BDSM could be involved in there too. Okay. But a lot of people are very offended by it because it's violence toward women. And, and I'm like, no, guess who's looking yeah, at that? Yeah, but women are enjoying it's, it. It's women who are enjoying it. And my theory is, and I think Justin LaMiller confirmed that that is one of the theories, is that um, women in, in fantasy, you're, you can be as slutty as you want. Oh, no, they're, they're making me have sex, so I don't have a choice. Mm. they're they're raping me so i don't have a choice but to have you know or they're going down on me and they're holding me down so i can't control this and so there's no shame in that kind of does that make sense oh absolutely because no i I think i understand what you're saying um are you saying that because there's so much shame associated with sex for women 
that we we have no or slut shaming maybe I slut say. shaming right <laughs> like we have no right to desire sex right yes. we yes, are that's a very good way of putting we it. are the objects of sexual desire you're the flower waiting we're the yes. flower waiting <laughs> and and this removes all responsibility mm-hmm. for us for desiring sex yes, yes. Very good. Yeah. Um, no, that totally makes sense. Um, but I also wonder if there isn't an element of like that that primal desire for some for like a powerful man or force mm-hmm. who can overtake us, right? I think because that too. Yeah, I really I enjoy being dominated mm-hmm. for that reason. That yes. There's something about like I think it's the reason that we like you know muscular men mm-hmm. or you know bigger men mm-hmm. than than we are. I totally so, agree with that. And that's, yeah. that's one of the things I was saying with Justin LaMiller. He was, he's talking about that and how, um, I mean, there, there's multiple theories and there's probably multiple reasons. Yeah. It's not like one of oh, these I theories agree, is right. true. Yeah. Probably they're all true. They're all true. But yeah. the point is that a lot of women, and I want, to, I want to say, and I can't remember for sure, but I think more women than men enjoy that kind of pornography. Mm-hmm. Pornhub in 2019 released their their yearly stats. Women are 85% more likely than men to Google or to search uh, gangbang. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I and I've heard, I've talked to a lot of women who say that that's their fantasy. Mm-hmm. Now, men listening to this, do not go out there and try to make this happen <laughs> right. for it's some woman in your life. Right. It is. Yes. If a woman comes to you and says, please create this fantasy for me, that is quite different um, because it is not the fantasy of all women. But, but yeah, I've talked to a lot of women. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably the majority of women yes. who have some kind of sexual fantasy, um, they either come to me with, oh, I want an all-female orgy mm-hmm. or I want a gangbang. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's That's super common. I agree. Yeah. And um, uh, oh, what was I going to say? Never mind. It left okay. my mind. <laughs> Cut that out. <laughs> the top relative categories viewed by women when compared but uh, compared to women elsewhere in the U.S. is broken down by the state. The number oh. one uh, thing searched for in the state of Utah was strip tease. Interesting. <laughs> by women. Wow. That's really interesting. Oh. They must be wanting some kind of like example of yes. what that should look like so that they can Maybe. do that for their partner. Well, mm-hmm. and then uh, in Idaho, it's solo female. It's what? What's Solo a s- female. Like like masturbating. masturbating. Just a Probably masturbating. masturbating. Or, and then the same with uh, Arizona. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, I don't really see anything that really kind of sticks out to me. The South does a lot of ebony Google- Googling or searching, <laughs> which is <You> interesting. <laughs> and then up there in Maine, they're, they're into cum shots. <laughs> wow. So... Is that under Justin LaMiller's research? No, this is still oh, Pornhub. Oh, yeah. oh, oh, that's right. You said and it's in Men's Health magazine. Is that right? Or yeah, is but that the, just an this, is, this is the Pornhub stats for women. Mm. That's yeah. it, oh, it, sure. So it's the, the Men's Health uh, article. And then Jamie Wisconsin likes small tits. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Very nice. Jamie, no. I like small tits, too. <laughs> Brady. Hey, I'm not complaining. I'm just saying. It's like <laughs> we're talking about our state. It's, it's just like some men like big women, some men, some men like small women, some men like big tits, some men like it's small true. tits. It's true. They're all good. They're all nice. <laughs> Lesbian is by far the most searched category oh. for women. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. 32% of Pornhub <laughs> visitors are women. 
an increase of 3% from 2018. Yeah, and I think that really just speaks to how fluid our sexuality is and how much more acceptable it is to be gay if you're a female than a male um, because you know, the majority of women that I talk to identify as bisexual and there's been research and I wish I could quote it but it's been too long since I read it so I can't remember um, but it basically said that as women age they become more bisexual Ooh. than heterosexual um, so you're more likely in your 40s or, or 50s to want a romantic or sexual relationship with oh, that's interesting. a woman that's one woman. I haven't yeah. heard yeah mm-hmm. yeah interesting and I, th- I think it's obviously like, right, like you're just more open to the idea mm-hmm. and comfortable in your sexuality. Uh, yeah, you that age. was going to be my next statement was mm-hmm. I don't think they became bisexual. No. They were already They were already bisexual. bisexual. They just weren't ready to accept that they were bisexual. Exactly. It sounds like, yeah. And they're probably getting fed up with men anyways. And mm. probably, yeah. and probably, <laughs> I, I would imagine too, like as women get older, there are just so many more benefits to having that female female bond Mm -hmm. um so they're willing to be open to Mm -hmm. those feelings but anyway just interesting yeah yeah um okay so we were talking about the benefits of pornography do we cover so this was actually under um i i was giving a sorry i made it go away come back um, I gave a talk on pornography. I've given a few talks on pornography, but I wanted to speak on porn literacy. And I don't know why this isn't coming up, so hang on. Weird. Um, I don't know why it won't come up. <laughs> porn <laughs> literacy. Um, there we go. I just can't get this thing to work. Here we go. Okay. So this was more about for youth, but I think it can apply to all of us in some ways. So one of one of the positives about pornography is it does show all kinds of bodies. And yeah. if, if something exists, there is pornography for it, pretty mm-hmm. much. So um, people with prosthetics, little people, um, I, I it just... I yeah. could be here for hours telling you. And it, also so. for any kind of kink. Like porn any is incredibly kind of inclusive yes. Yes. and so it helps you not feel like a freak. Yes. We should all That's try to be more like porn. We should. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, more open and acceptable. And and sometimes people are offended because they are fetishi- fed- fetishized. Yeah. Um, so mm. there's finding a balance I think there too. Sure. But the list I wrote down was it's an opportunity to explore body image. And especially, Mm -hmm. like I said, if this was for youth, um, intimacy and pleasure. That's something youth don't get enough knowledge about. Mm -hmm. All they hear is if you don't get an STI or get someone pregnant, you have sexual health. (laughs) Right. Well, well, youth in the United States, I would say. Yes. Because as we spoke earlier. Yes, yes, absolutely. There are other countries that are better educated. There are other countries that are now on it. They do focus on pleasure. Exactly. In fact, pleasure, the first time pleasure was added to, what was it? Um, it was in the Obama administration. I think it had to do what? with sex ed. Yes. <laughs> it had to do with sex ed, um, sexual health. Um, I would have thought for sure that was th- from the Roosevelt administration. <laughs> but guess what? It was removed. What? In the Trump None of that makes any sense. <laughs> so, yeah. Yes, the word pleasure was removed. <laughs> because we would not want our youth to learn that sex is pleasurable. 
Am I doing my microphone right? There you okay, go. There That's go. a little better. Um, so body image, intimacy and pleasure, safety, risks, the risks of amateur porn. You know, so if you're looking up, you know, um, stepdad bangs stepdaughter who's a teenager, you really might have a teenager in there. <laughs> so we have to be careful for that. That's one yeah. of the things that I've learned in my research. And talk to them about the risks of sexting. Again, that's for youth. Healthy versus unhealthy relationships. A lot of people need help um, navigating that, especially youth. Gender roles and stereotypes. Healthy communication, likes, dislikes. You know, oh, I didn't realize I'd like that. And I saw mm. it in porn and I'm like, wow, I like that. It's an opportunity mm -hmm. right there. Uh, reality versus acting. And consent, which doesn't just mean saying yes, but it also means being able to say no. So um, there is an article, since we brought up youth, or since I brought up youth, um, Justin Lemiller again, pornography is danger for teens, oh, sorry, is pornography is dangerous for teens? It's with a question mark. Chill out, the kids are going to be mostly all right. And so he talks about that. There's mixed data on mm -hmm. how it affects kids, so. The one funny quote, and I can't remember where I heard it or read it. I'm sure I read it online or something, but was uh, learning how to have sex from porn is like learning how to drive from the Fast and the Furious. Yes. I thought, <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny. I want to say David Lay, L-E-Y, David Lay said that. It, I could be wrong. He might have gotten it from someone else, but David Lay is an author of um, several books. One of them notably um, is um, The Myth of Sex Addiction, and he also wrote Insatiable Wives. That's a good one. So, where do you find those? Anywhere. Amazon. <laughs> anywhere. Oh, David you meant Insatiable Wives. I thought you meant the book. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I bet you could find Insatiable Wives on Amazon. <laughs> I'm sure you could. Or maybe even in the Amazon. Maybe it's Amazon. <laughs> Hard to say. Well, this seems like a good segue into talking more about sex education. Okay. And like we've talked a lot on this show about how it is done wrong and i would like so to wrong. know yeah you were talking to us um before the show before we started the show about there are some countries that really have it right mm -hmm. um what does that look like what does getting it right look like getting it right is starting young so the netherlands has mandatory sex education starting at age four Wow. Mandatory. So what do they what do they teach four-year-olds about sex? Well, first of all, um, the therapist, Esther Perel, if you've heard of her, she's I an author as well. Yeah, yeah, she's amazing. Um, Esther Perel talks about how in, I think I want to say Belgium, she, she speaks so many languages, I can't remember which one she was talking about, which country. But they know that if, you know, when grandma dies, kids can understand that by about age four, grandma died. And so if they can understand that grandma died, they can al also understand how life begins. Life ends and life begins. Mm. And so they start very young. And of course, it's age appropriate. They're not yeah. going to give them all this. You know, you want to hear about anal sex, honey? No, yeah. no. <laughs> they talk about age appropriate sex ed. So that includes talking about love and talking about their bodies and what their body parts are. So the basics. I have not had access to their actual cur curriculum and even if I did I probably couldn't understand it in another language <laughs> <Right>. so <laughs> um so they they start them young 
and they allow the educators to do that. And I'm sure they're very sex positive at home compared to here. Yeah. Um, and then as they go through school, they learn healthy sex education in a comprehensive manner. They learn how to use condoms. They learn consent. They learn all kinds of things. This is where I, I can't remember a lot because it's been a while. Um, and I, I don't, again, have access to their actual curriculum. But they cover the whole gamut of sexuality. And by the time they're in high school and juniors and senior age, um, it's not a big deal. Right. And so <laughs> here in the United States, we mostly have um, uh, abstinence-only mm -hmm. mm -hmm. education and or abstinence-based. There's, there's levels. Sure. The worst is abstinence-only until marriage because that's – and I don't have a problem if someone chooses to live that way. That's not the problem. Sure. It's just that you can't apply that to all students, and it doesn't work. That's right. the main right. thing is it just doesn't work. It's not evidence-based. And so um, our youth are getting cheated. Now, in Utah and, and many other states, they require it to be medically accurate. But medically accurate is, you know, STIs and don't get pregnant. So hmm. what else are they learning? You know, if you ask kids today, did you learn about the clitoris? No. How did you know about the clitoris? My friends, they, yeah. they're not learning it in class. Right. And if they are, they're just seeing it pointed as a piece of anatomy, but they don't learn anything about it. It's and function. It, they don't it, learn its function. It has one function, which is pleasure. Yeah. So we don't use that word here for sex and, and, and kids. We don't want them to know that it's pleasurable. That's, that, that's my own wording, but that's how I perceive the way they approach it here yeah. in Utah is that we don't we don't focus on pleasure because it's it's about having children, right? So yeah, um, so anyway, that's that's the flowers job. Yes, that's the flowers <laughs> job <laughs> to make, to make other more flowers. flowers. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we have medically quote quote medically accurate <clears throat> sex ed, but they're not allowed to talk about contraceptives. They're, they're it's. it's I don't, I don't know if it's still the case, but I know that when I was in school, the teacher was allowed to talk about it if someone in the room brought Asked. it up. Yeah, yep. that's probably accurate because they're not allowed to advocate it for it is actually how it's worded in the Yeah, in the and my, my mom was a nurse, so she told me what to ask. So I was the kid in the class that made everything awkward for everybody else. Nice. They were like, oh, he's bringing <laughs> up those words. Learn. Yeah, and the teacher talked about it. She was, she was very... Um, willing to like she was like does anyone have any questions and she was like hinting like this is your time to yeah. get through that loophole and then i was like well what about condoms those work right <laughs> you know unless you're catholic i hear I, you know. <laughs> but um when so when you first came in and we were kind of talking about who was getting it right you talked about the netherlands mm -hmm. and so i just sort of googled it and the atlantic has an interesting article oh the atlantic is usually really good too Their yeah stats and I got an interesting, so they have uh, their sex ed, I wrote it down, but it's titled uh, Krabels in Jimboink, um, which, which in Dutch means butterflies in your in your stomach. Oh. oh. And so that was that's the name of their sex ed curriculum. Oh. And then they talk about this amazing science museum where visitors, in, uh, quote, visitors encounter the usual displays, bubbling vinegar, kinetic games, chain reactions, um, but upstairs in the Teen Facts Gallery, an, er an area dedicated solely to puberty and sex, unsuspe unsuspecting parents might be forced into a quick decision. Proceed with the 
with the kids or hightail it to another exhibit. <laughs> and then it goes on to talk about the different exhibits. And I was surprised about this, but um, you can learn about hormones, mood swings, zits. Mm. Guests can peer into a tank of white ooze representing the lifetime manufacturer of semen. Settle in to watch a giant cartoon on a loop in which a boy and girl traverse puberty side by side. Oh, and then behind, be yeah, and then behind the velvet curtain, uh, for patrons twelve and older, there's more a video about orgasms, faces only, oh, wow. a display of novelty condoms and old-fashioned birth control machine methods, um, a shelf of wooden mannequins glued together in zoo-like acts from the Kama Sutra, zoo-like. Oh. <laughs> uh, and. A guide to good sex printed in Dutch and English encourages plenty of education, solo sex, and honest partner partner communication. And then one of the quotes that's from that book says, quote, tell or guide your partner around your body. Don't worry about losing, your, uh, losing control. Your pleasure is your partner's delight. Oh, wow. Like, wow. Cool. How upfront are they with their kids? And is that positive or what? That's very positive. <laughs> Um, and the kids are yeah. old enough to navigate that, you know, maybe with some guidance, but sometimes even without. But that's very appropriate, in my opinion. Yeah. And when you said by the time they're teenagers, it's not a big deal. Can you can you go into that a little bit more? Like what specifically isn't a big deal and how do the teenagers, you know, react to this education? And what are the do you know any statistics of, you know? So um, I don't know how they react to it um, because I haven't been there and I can't read their language. But I would guess that after growing up with with sex education that's comprehensive, they probably are just like, okay, it's like having lunch today. You know, it's a part of life and, and it's something to look forward to instead of something to be afraid of. That's the impression mm-hmm. I get. Um Something that's normalized, it's not normalized, like something you can't yeah. talk about or yep. isn't okay. Yep. Yeah. Or it's not, it's not, um, hold off as long as you can and then hide it from your parents and right. keep it a big fat secret. I guess what I'm trying to find out is like, are teen pregnancy rates lower mm. there? Yes. Poor, uh, are per, STI okay. rates lower there? Yes. And their abortion rates. Mm-hmm. Yep. Which is important because a lot of people think, oh, they, they have lower birth rates because they have low or higher abortion no they they don't um so here's some facts that um hopefully i can remember them all so it's interesting because in the uk their first initiation of sex is on average about 16 years old in the united states it's 17 years old and in the netherlands it's 18.5 years old i mean Mm. you're like out of high school by then yeah so it actually, it uh, the, the article from The Atlantic said that Dutch and American teens have sex for the first time around the same age, between 17 and 18, just like you said. Mm-hmm. And it says, but with dramatically different results. Teen pregnancy has been on the decline in the U.S. for the past three decades, but American teenagers still give birth at five times the rate of yes. their Dutch peers. Yes. And have fewer, who have fewer abortions. Yes. Like you were just saying. Thank yep. you. I'm, I love hearing these stats that confirm what I'm saying and really quickly the numbers I have in my notes is in 
Out of 1,000 births in the United States, 18.5 are teen births. And in the Netherlands, out of 1,000 births, it's 4.5. And about half of those are immigrants who grew up in a different culture. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Whoa. So, like, you could really boil that down to two if yes. you if we were just looking at who partook yeah. in the education program. Yes. And That's another, interesting. another interesting thing that I learned in that research was, um, I know this doesn't happen here, Seven out of ten, this is the average, about seven out of ten teens there use condoms on their first sexual experience. Which is a good way to start. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, It says that uh, in the United States, people under 25 make up half of all the new STI cases each year, while young people in the Netherlands only account for 10% in their country. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's uh, like half. Yeah. It's crazy. I just do not understand why we don't model like our, not just our sex education system, but like our entire education (laughs) system and national health care and, you know, other things after countries who have gotten it right. Like if it's working for them, why wouldn't it work for us? Why do we try to reinvent the wheel over and over and over again and keep getting it wrong? I think we're measuring. I think the problem is is that like when when you ask an American if you're getting sex ed right, it's you're, and I should say a religious American. It's by keeping kids from having sex till they get married. Yes. Right. That's what yes. they consider right. success. Yes. Where in the Netherlands are like, hey, guess what? Less abortions and teen pregnancies. That's a success. Mm-hmm. But is the um, majority of America really part of the religious right? 25% of Americans identify as non-religious, hmm. which is up by like 16% from the last time they did that survey. Wow. And I don't think that the left wing or the right wing side of the politicians have realized that. Mm-hmm. Because they're so atheists or agnostics make mm. up now more of the population than Jews, mm. and Jews have a lobby, yeah, in Congress and Senate. We the atheists don't have don't, that lobby. Yeah. Can you imagine having an atheist? Sorry, my voice. <clears throat> sorry, having an atheist lobby that would not go over well. I think <laughs> the problem would be is it's hard to herd atheists. Right? Mm-hmm. We're hard to we're hard to pin down. Like we're just we just sort of like scatter to the wind. Down. Yeah, we're hard we're hard to keep. Yes. Yeah, on you know, because uh, we're also. I mean, most atheists that I've met are super independent thinkers. So not. I to think we should the. start the Church of Atheism. We Brady. should. Have you followed any of the stuff the Church of Satan? I knew that has was been coming. doing. I knew that was next. I just. They're con- they're con- I, oh, I love yeah. it. it makes I, laugh, I respect the hell out of it. Should we? We'll make uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson our uh, pope. <laughs> but we can't. But we can't call him a pope. No, it's got to be like the opposite of pope, which would be like eop. <laughs> the opposite, so. <laughs> Let's just backwards. Backwards and opposite are not E-pop. the same. Epop. Epop. Yeah, I like yeah. epop. I like epop though. Epop. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, and and he won't ever officially say he's an atheist, but no. Um, I'm writing down epop. That's going to the dictionary. <laughs> I think it just I think it like it it ties together into the into the sex education, you know, when you talk about like why aren't we going out and doing the things that work? It's because the goals are different. Yeah. Yeah. And in the Netherlands their focus was on health and safety and ours is on Don't some sort of sexual activity. Moral purity. Yes. Don't don't talk about it. And don't ring and the devil's doorbell. Right. The clitoris, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> 
That's the devil's doorbell. That is the devil's door doorbell, and that the only purpose it has is for pleasure. That just why tell the girls that that if it only you know if that's well, the only purpose for it, then that's why if tell you believe them? in evolution. Right. But it, it wouldn't have just happened that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So why do they think God gave us the clitoris to cut it off? That, oh, if you read the man. holy books. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, did I just, did I, should we edit that out? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'm just saying, if we look at the holy no, text, I, I that's what they're what saying. saying. Yeah, you're, you're it's making a point that's it's frustrating. valid, and it's not just Islamic countries. There are some, I, what are they, um, Coptic Christians, I think, mm-hmm. in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. it's a cultural thing. And oh, yeah, it's, it's very sad. Female circumcision is a really common practice. Yeah. There was um, some, what were they called? The Oh, I, they were Russian, the Copsies. Copsy sounds right. Yeah. yeah, and they would cut off breasts, penises, th- everything. Just, and I'm thinking, why would God give? You- Never mind. I'm just not even gonna go there. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, religion does some strange things to people, and it hurts people. I don't. I don't want to say it's un- 100% bad. I think some people get something out of it, and that's fine. But. I think the important thing to think, though, is if there is this all-powerful creator who put together all the events that it took to create this amazing universe mm-hmm. that we're, we're a part of, and then, the I mean, the 4.7 billion years it took for the Earth to, to, to form, he's really not going to be that concerned with what you're doing with your clothes off and who, who with uh, right. and in what position. Well, have you... Have so you, practice those things safely. Have you guys <laughs> seen that meme? It's... It shows the galactic system in categories, and it starts out with um, it starts out, I think, with the Earth, mm-hmm. and then it gets bigger and bigger until you're seeing the entire um, all the galaxies. And then there's Jesus, and he's saying, "Don't masturbate." That's one of my favorite memes because. You realize how small we are when you see all these. It's different. Um, what do you call those? Um, not windows, but pictures. And it starts out with the Earth, and then it gets bigger and farther away and farther away yeah. until you see all these galaxies. And then Jesus going, "Don't masturbate." Mm. <laughs> it's the important <laughs> message. <Yeah. laughs> Is it this one? Yes. That one. There, should be, there should be more pictures of all the different. I'm going to have to come through the, the Jesus. All I typed in was Jesus, don't masturbate me. <laughs> Some fodder for Twitter right there. Yes. Yeah. It's one of my favorite memes. I'm glad that they did depict a white Jesus, though. I would have really oh, been yeah. disappointed. Oh, thank God. <laughs> 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 oh, we're going to make some enemies tonight, aren't we? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't say I mean, if, if we haven't true. already. <laughs> yeah. They should. I mean, maybe this is their first episode. In which case, goodbye, friends. Welcome to the party. <laughs> <laughs> so there were a couple things you mentioned about um, things that they do better in other countries, mm-hmm. like um, talking about like consent. That's something that stands out to me a lot um, because I think one, it has to do a lot with actually having healthy sexual relationships mm-hmm. and yes. prevention of things like rape, mm-hmm. right? Like, yeah in terms of like if people aren't educated on consent how do they know how to get it and if they're getting it and how right. to give it so here or in the netherlands i mean i guess that's more of a rhetorical question yeah. in terms of 
like, what are we supposed to do here? Right. right. And then we, we see those things where people don't understand how to do that. Um, as well as like being able to give consent about like what you find pleasurable. Yes. And, you know, when we think of consent in the United States, we usually think of teaching girls to say no. Right. <laughs> Which right. is fine. But we also need to teach them how to say yes. And for boys to learn that no really does mean no. And that, bot- you know. And that ha- boys can say no. And that too. boys can say no, yeah. too. For sure. And body language. Do we really want to be the kind of people that say you know, you're in the middle of something passionate and then say, oh, would you like to have sex? I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But at the same time, body language does speak volumes and, and we can ask or there's different ways to ask. So mm-hmm. learning about that, that's where it gets a little complicated in the United States is we really focus on hearing that word yes. And I don't know that we have to have it exactly like that. Um, and we need to be able to know how to say no and how to say yes. Ch- children or youth, excuse me, they need to learn how that works. And I think starting, like in the Netherlands, starting out very young, teaching kids autonomy about their bodies, mm-hmm. um, teaching them that they don't have to give grandma a hug. I don't know if they do that in the Netherlands, but they don't have to give grandma a hug if they don't want to be touched or hugged or kissed or whatever. It's teaching them they have autonomy over their own bodies, power over their own bodies and power to say no, even to grandma, I think is helpful. Oh God, that's so important. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many like uncles and whatever that I've had to hug Uh, in my life that it's just, yes, you know, I have one of those uncles. Yeah. 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 No one should ever have to Mm -mm. give a hug or Mm -hmm. be touched in any way that they don't want to be. What, what time are we at, Brady? We are, I just showed you one hour. Oh, okay. Just a yeah. second ago. Okay, I, I had the feeling. Is that I've how long it usually lasts? Yeah, an usually hour? an hour-ish. Okay. Yeah. yeah, we kind of shoot for that. Um, in the Netherlands, younger children commonly play naked outdoors in public wading pools. I mean, that's mm. the other thing, right? Important. Is that like our attitudes about nudity here mm-hmm. and sexuality and their relationship are so messed up. Well, it it says, I was reading this, and I I wanted to find this again and and talk about it because I thought it was important. But it says, while today's recommended script for an American adult caring for a kid with hands in their pants is, that's that's something you do in private. Um, It's accepted in the Netherlands that privacy isn't always practical in the early Mm -hmm. stages of physical self-discovery or even a concept that those children understand. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember ever being told that it was a private thing. But I don't... But, but privacy yeah. is never explained to kids when they're right. told that, right? It's really, they're just being shamed. I was taught nothing. And silence right. has its own message, interestingly. Yeah, yeah, it does. And then it says that many Dutch parents, even teachers, permit children to play doctor or other show-me games together as long as they follow certain rules, mutual agreement, mm. no hurting, respect for boundaries. Um, wow, yeah. that is amazing, right? In contrast, American experts usually say such play should be stopped. How how would that American change our culture if American that was quote experts? <laughs> I remember playing. I remember getting caught playing doctor when I was a little girl and feeling like so shamed, so shameful. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and like I was in so much trouble. I feel like I got caught, but I wasn't shamed. Hmm. I was just like, hey, like well, maybe not. Where people can see you from the road, <laughs> I think was what I was told. Well, here's here's the keywords. Both of you, both of you used the word caught. Yeah, because yeah. that's because how they made us yes, feel. Yeah, I got caught. We have to hide it, right? Yeah. So if we, 
weren't shamed or didn't feel shame. And we learn it from such a young age that we know even at four or five, six years old, when we might be doing sex play with our little friends or whatever, um, playing doctor, that we have to hide it from our parents or we'll get in trouble or we might be embarrassed or ashamed or whatever. One of those negative feelings that they'll make us feel. Here's another interesting fact I found. Third graders learn about love, including how to be kind to your crush. Which, in the third grade, I was putting bugs in girls' hair (laughs) that I liked. Right. You're talking like, like, if a boy's mean to you, he likes you. I like her, so I need to put bugs in her hair. And what kind of fucking screwed up message is that? Oh, if a boy likes me, he's mean to me, so Mm -hmm. all these boys who are mean to me, like, I should That's affection. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's affection. They care me for me. Love. Yeah. Oh, that's so much a part of our culture. Think about how we talk about sex and use baseball metaphors. This is something else that I think is really important. You know, you made it to first base, second base, home plate, a glove, condom. If there's grass on the field, play ball. That is, that's just. <laughs> I've heard that before. Right? That's fucked oh up. God. Yeah, it is. And so um, it was Al Vernacchio is a sex education teacher that wrote the book called For Goodness Sex. And he talks about, we need a new metaphor. Um, mm-hmm. So let's use pizza. So <laughs> if, you think about, pizza. If, if we were going to order pizza tonight, it's not going to be me going, hey, guys, I'm going to order a pizza and whatever I order is what you get. We're mm. all probably going to go, oh, I really like mushrooms, or I like sausage, I like pepperoni, and okay, well, maybe we can compromise. Maybe we'll do a half pepperoni and whatever, and half sausage and mushroom, and that's and we talk about it, and then we go, okay, let's order a pizza. Mm. And then I'll eat a, a slice, and then I'm like, okay, I'm done, I've had enough. Okay, that's fine. No one's going to make you eat more pizza. <laughs> you know? so, yeah, there's no goal number of slices. Uh, yeah. So in order for you to, yeah. Anyway, and he has, if you're interested, Al Vernacchio, he has a TED Talk on sex education that talks about pizza versus baseball metaphor. And mm. it's I found much, it right it's there. It's more healthy. Yep. Yep. Oh. What's it called? I can't remember. Uh, sex education, Al Vernacchio. Yep. TEDx Wake Forest. Thank you. So, yeah, yeah that's a good one. And um, his book, if, if there's any parents out there that um, are interested, it's called For Goodness Sex. It's a good one. Changing the way we talk. Yep, changing the way we talk about sexuality. Because maybe you don't want sausage on your pizza. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And, no, I love that metaphor. And then, you know, we all enjoy the pizza together. Mm, Yes. Too. Sometimes in a group. Everyone gets enjoyment out of it. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Sometimes in a group. (laughs) (laughs) And it could be two women eating pizza. It could be a man and a woman eating pizza. You can eat pizza by yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and the problem with the baseball metaphor is it really categorically puts, it, it's, it's bad for women. We'll just say that. Yes. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. Not healthy. Well, anyone who would like to join in the conversation can find us at saltysexcast at gmail.com. We're also available on Twitter at saltysexcast. Um, I'm going to put up the Jesus Don't Masturbate meme there. So if you'd like to see that, check that out. Uh, I'm probably going to put up a link to this TED Talk and the Atlantic episode as well. It was a really good episode. Atlantic er, article? Article. And yeah, I said episode. Justin Lemiller. Justin Lemiller. Yeah, I wrote him down in my notes as well. Um, if there are people in Utah that are struggling with these kinds of things that are looking for someone to talk to about it, how... Uh, I know you chose to be anonymous for this Mm -hmm. episode, but what's a good way for them to find resources? So uh, the way I look for a therapist, if that's what you mean, is to get on Google, type in 
um, like if you live in Salt Lake City, just type in sex therapy, Salt Lake City, or sex therapist, Salt Lake City. And then look for, I like to look for psychology today, the link to psychology today, and a whole list of them will come up. The key thing though is, in my opinion, it's better to look for someone who's had actual training in sexuality. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're a bad sex therapist if they haven't, but um, certified sex th therapist through ASECT, American Association of Sex Educators, Counselors, and Therapists. Um, or if they've had some kind of specific training towards sexuality. Because a lot of people say that they're trained in sex therapy, but they maybe had one class in their marriage and family therapy school. <laughs> so um, they need more than that, definitely. Mm. Awesome. Yep. Oh, that's great. How else can people find us, Pamela? Um, they can also find us on Facebook. Gross. I know. <laughs> That platform Brady hates. Um, Mariah posts lots of fun things on there, though. So please follow us on Facebook. And then also, as I mentioned before, Patreon. Um, you can find us there at patreon.com forward slash salty sex cast. Um, you cannot Google us and find us on Patreon because we are yeah we are a podcast about sex. So oh. you have to go directly there. I'll bet in the <laughs> Netherlands they could Google us. Probably. Yeah. Probably, yeah. probably they could. Um <laughs> But yeah, definitely go check that out. Um, we'll have that after dark episode posted soon with me and Amanda and Henry and Brady. It's really fun. And um, take a picture. Yeah, Doing, a a picture. <laughs> Doing a selfie. Can everyone see? Yeah, you can You're see. not in there. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just going to. No, that's it. Okay. okay. Mariah can edit for me. Um, and we also have lots of other great content on Patreon, too. Patreon's a place to be. It's really like it's the inner circle. For a for couple bucks a month, podcast. you could really mm -hmm. get into it. Yeah. And we appreciate your support so much. I want to shout out to Carter, who is one of our top patrons. That's right. <laughs> um, and uh, we do like live Q&As and... And oh. birthday parties. And birthday parties. That wasn't that so much fun. Was you really guys fun. not on Patreon, you really missed out. It was yeah. a great birthday party. Yeah. We threw axes. Cool. Mm -hmm. We all, we had all of our guests get to kind of like mingle. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. So, and all of the look. money that we earn on Patreon goes back into the podcast. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. Sweet. Well, thank you so much, Holly, for talking to us today. Thanks for having we me. We learned a ton. It. Good. Thank you. Stay salty. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Amanda, for co-hosting with me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's really fun. I cut you off kind of early there, didn't I? Yeah. Can I try again? Yeah. Stay salty. You did it wrong. What? Just to say stay sexy. Isn't it the salty sex cast? You guys do it. I don't know how to do it. You say stay sexy. Stay sexy. And salty. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Yeah, and what's puberty? Puberty? Well, puberty's a lot of things. Here's the piece. When you hear about it first, it sounds very strange. Oh, if it really bothers you, you should see a doctor. Then at puberty, certain glands begin to work, and our bodies begin to change. It enlarges the penis itself. And there's a center opening between those two, which is called the vagina. The sex education you wish you had in high school. Maybe a diagram will help.